The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. All right. Well, if you happen to bring a Bible with you this morning, Luke chapter 2 is our text this morning. We've been in a series. Last week, we started a series called The Gifts of Christmas. And uh, Josh did a great job wherever he is. Josh did a great job last week. Uh, I was stuck in two feet of snow. I actually was here, and I didn't think I was going to make it, but Josh did a great job filling in at the last minute. So we've been in this series. This is now the second week in our Christmas series called The Gifts of Christmas. And you know, sometimes life gives us gifts. Sometimes those gifts are are gifts that we weren't expecting. Sometimes those are gifts that we wanted. Sometimes those are gifts that, that we never could have imagined. Sometimes those are gifts that we thought we would have never chosen for ourselves. And you know, sometimes life gives us gifts, and those gifts we would call gifts of pain and gifts of suffering. Sometimes life gives us the gift of pain of broken relationships. Sometimes life gives us the gift of pain in wanting relationships. Sometimes life gives us the gift of, of unfulfilled relationships or unfulfilled desires or, or needs that haven't been met or the pain of failure or the pain of loss or the pain of grief. And sometimes life gives us these gifts and we were never expecting those gifts and we would have never chosen those gifts for ourselves. About two and a half weeks ago, I had a friend and a former coworker who came home from a Christmas meeting, a staff meeting on a Monday afternoon. And he had pain in the back of his eye, a pain that shot down his arm, eventually moved to his leg. And that afternoon, he went to the emergency room. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. He went home that night, and it got worse to the point where he couldn't talk and he couldn't walk. And so his wife called the ambulance and 911, and they took him to the hospital. By the time she got to the hospital, they were already prepping him for surgery. And so he got out of surgery, and, and what had happened was his artery in the base of his uh, brain had erupted. And they put one stint in, the stint didn't work. They put a second stint in, and they sent him out to recovery, and he never woke up from recovery. The second stint didn't take. And then several days later, the family had to make the painful decision to take him off life support. And just a few hours later, he passed away. And all of this happens at Christmas. You know, I wonder if they were sitting at Christmas last year, they probably never could have imagined that life would give them the gift of no longer having their father with them last Christmas. I wonder if when they went on their annual Disney vacation in September this year, I wonder if they probably never crossed their mind, you know what, Jamie's not going to be with us here just two months later. Sometimes life gives us gifts that we were never expecting, and now this family is walking through extraordinary pain. How heartbreaking, isn't it? When life doesn't go the way we had hoped or life doesn't go the way we were expecting. Sometimes life gives us the gift of pain. And for some of you guys listening in the auditorium this morning, some of you guys listening online and podcasts later, some of you guys are walking through extraordinary seasons of pain and life has given you pain. What do we do? in those circumstances? How do we process the pain that life has given us? You know, the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse 17, that God delights in giving his children good and perfect gifts. I believe God wants to give you a gift this Christmas. I believe God wants to give you a gift this Christmas. The gospel tells us that God so loved the world that he did what? You know what the scripture says? He gave At Christmas, I believe God wants to give us some good and perfect gifts of joy and hope and peace and love. 
And so this morning, I want to focus on this concept of joy in the midst of pain. And some of you guys are walking through seasons of pain, and it's often been said you're either coming out of a season of pain, you're walking into a season of pain, or you're about to go into another season of pain. I want to encourage us this morning to give God our pain this morning and allow him to give us the gift of joy. And I want to do that in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8 this morning, the scripture says this, and this should sound very familiar. I love reading the Christmas story. Doesn't the stage look great this morning? Our production team does a great job. I've been listening to Christmas music for a month and a half, so I've already been here. (laughs) I've already seen this. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, the scripture says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great, what? Joy. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You know, when Jesus was arriving on earth, there's this pronouncement of joy. The story of the Christmas story here in the book of Luke is that when the world meets Jesus in the flesh, the world will finally find full joy in God. Even before Jesus comes, even before we see the manger scene, the message of his coming is a message of joy. And not only that, but then we get an angel who's coming and he's pronouncing and he's announcing and he's promising that the world's going to experience joy, not only with the coming of Jesus, but in Luke chapter one, this angel says the world's going to experience joy at the birth of the forerunner of Jesus, who was known as John the Baptist. Why? Because he's going to herald the way, the coming of joy. Listen to what Luke one verse 13 says, but the angel said to Zechariah, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You're to call him John. He will be a what? Joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. The Christmas story tells us that that the joy of Jesus is going to be so real. The joy of Jesus is going to be so tangible that people would experience it simply by looking into the face of the one who's going to herald the coming of Jesus. And so just imagine the Christmas story. The first shepherds, the wise men who get the first glance at baby Jesus, they see him face to face. They are the first ones to experience the joy that we've been singing about ever since joy to the world the lord is come let earth receive her king when jesus was born fullness of joy listen to me church was also born for everyone who would believe. Listen to how the scripture describes this joy. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, listen to this description, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, what does John say? Full. Full. The Bible talks about this 
Fullness of joy. But what does the Bible mean when it says fullness of joy? And Pastor Matt, furthermore, can I experience joy in this life? Can I just say, first of all, up front in this message on joy, that, that we need to understand that joy in the fullest extent is never going to be fully experienced in this life. It's never going to be complete. It's never going to be whole. Our experience of joy is never going to be whole in this life that we're currently living. It's only going to be full in the life to come. So while we live on this earth, while we're on this planet, there will always be sin. There's always going to be misery. There's always going to be pain. There's always going to be suffering. Listen to the words that's going to compete with our joy. Here's, the, here's, the, here's, here's where we need to, to, to launch into. Joy will always have competitors in life. Joy is always going to have competitors in this life. Do you understand that even the Bible says Jesus was a man of sorrows? Jesus was a man of sorrows, according to Isaiah 53. Even Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul said, we are sorrowful, but we are always rejoicing. Sorrow and joy exist in this life contemporaneously. They're simultaneous experiences in life. You can have joy, but you can also have sadness. You can rejoice, but you can also be experiencing pain. And so Paul even describes these feelings of joy existing simultaneously. In Romans chapter 9, verse 2, he says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. But Paul, I thought we were supposed to rejoice always. You're saying you have unceasing anguish and sorrow in your heart. So what does the Bible mean when it says fullness of joy? Clearly, when the Bible talks about the fullness of joy, it doesn't mean that we have so much joy that all other affections and all other emotions are excluded. Church, we can experience joy and we can experience sadness at the exact same time. When Lori was walking through the, the, the eventual death of her husband, Jamie, just a couple of weeks ago, she would post on Facebook, we need prayer. We've got a desperate situation. We need God to intervene. And she would conclude her request on Facebook about asking for prayer with these words, and if not, he is still good. Joy and pain experienced simultaneously in life. They can exist at the same time in life. But listen to me. Listen to me. But, but when we are finally home with Jesus, as Jamie is today, when we are finally at home with Jesus in the age to come, listen to what the Bible says our experience is going to be. Revelation chapter 21, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Here's what we know about joy today. In the life to come, there's going to be so much joy. We will experience so much joy that every competing and every contrary emotion will be gone. That's the promise of heaven. When we experience life in the presence of Jesus, every competing, every contrary emotion will be gone. That is the fullness of joy that the Bible is talking about. And you say, that's great, Pastor Matt. But how do I experience joy 
now? How do I experience joy today? Well, fortunately, when Luke mentions joy in Luke chapter 2, it's not the only time he ever talks about joy in the Bible. It's not the only time he ever writes about joy. The Christmas story is not the only time we see joy. We don't just get joy when Jesus is born and then we get all the bad stuff and all the pain and all the suffering. Luke keeps writing about joy. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we worked through Luke chapter 6, the Beatitudes, and Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking about difficult times coming. And listen to what he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Blessed are you when people hate you, difficult times. Blessed are you when they exclude you, painful times. Blessed are you when people insult you, sorrowful times, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Listen to what Jesus says. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Pain, sorrow, joy. Luke talks about joy here, but listen, I imagine most of our experiences are such that that we don't even see the joy that he mentions in verse 23, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Our, Our experiences are such that we probably don't even get to that part of what Jesus is talking about here in Luke chapter six. Why? Because we're almost always fixated on the pain of life, aren't we? Like, all I can think about right now, Pastor Matt, is, is the pain I'm walking through. I mean, really, honestly, Jesus is talking about pain here. He's talking about people hating you. He's talking about people excluding you, insulting you, rejecting you. Everybody in this room has had those experiences, haven't you? Right? Pastor Matt, where is the joy in those experiences? Because all I can think about is my pain. I want to remind you, Jesus is talking to his disciples here in Luke chapter 6. And I just want to say to you, maybe you're here this morning and church isn't your thing and, and you're just exploring here. Maybe a family member brought you. I just, I don't know what your, your thought process is about what it means to be a Christian, but can I say to you, you can rejoice in the coming of Jesus and still suffer in this world. You can be righteous and still suffer. You can be rich and not afford to buy away the pain that life is going to give you. Why? Pain is inevitable in this world. I can't guarantee nearly anything to you this morning, but I can guarantee you this. Life is probably not going to turn out how you had hoped or expected. It's just not. It's not going to turn out how you had hoped or expected. I think about friends in my life, friends that my wife and I have, how life has not turned out how they had hoped and how they had expected. I think about some of our close friends who are caring for three children right now who are not their own children. And they love their nieces and they love their nephews, but they're caring for three kids because two parents could not stay off drugs and out of jail. And it's not that they don't love their nieces and nephews, but they just had not planned to take on three more children in life. I think about my friends who are finishing life sick and alone. I think about friends of friends who have lost two kids under the age of five because of a rare disease. I think of a former student in our ministry who had been married just a few years. They had three beautiful little boys and her husband went off to work one day and he never came home because he had an aneurysm in his office and he died. I have a friend who has experienced years of emotional and mental abuse, significantly affected her ability to make friends and trust people. 
I have multiple friends who are older and they want certain jobs, but the market is no longer hiring people their age for those jobs. I have friends whose kids have made awful choices and they've significantly disappointed their parents. And even though their parents love their kids, they're experiencing tremendous pain. I can't guarantee you much in life, but I can guarantee you this. Life is probably not going to turn out how you hoped or how you experienced. And in those times, we typically say, where is the joy, God? This is what life has given me. This is not what I had hoped for. But the question is, do we believe in God when life doesn't turn out the way we expect it? Is the same God who gives and takes away, is that same God to be trusted? Can I put my faith in that same God even as I suffer loss? Pain and suffering are these realities that we all experience in life, and our experience is that we we try to dismiss them so quickly. We, We try to minimize our pain so quickly. Are you saying this morning, Pastor Matt, I should just suck it up and, and tighten my belt and just walk through pain? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not dismissing our pain, but myopia about our pain leads to greater pain, and we need to understand some things this morning about pain and suffering, and the Bible clearly teaches that it's through pain and suffering that joy emerges. Psalm chapter 30, David says, for his anger lasts only a minute, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Listen to what David says. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. David's reflecting here in Psalm chapter 30, this this time of of severe trouble in life. In fact, there may even be a a life-threatening situation to David according to verse 3 in Psalm chapter 30. But whatever the circumstances were here in Psalm chapter 30, David is choosing to focus on how God had driven away the threat and he had restored, listen to me, joy to his life. So David's been mourning common experience in pain. David's been weeping common experience in our sorrows. And it's obvious to David that it's obvious that God seems, as we read the words that David writes here, that God is, feels, feels absent to David. And that's many of our experiences in our pain and our sorrow. God, where, where are you? And my father passed away when I was 21 years old. I spent three months asking the question, God, where are you? But David chooses to focus. Soon, his healing is going to come to his life, and his sorrow is going to turn to joy. Pastor Matt, are you saying we should just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps in our pain and not worry about it? No, I'm saying your pain is temporary, but listen to me. God wants to change it to joy. You know by experience, most of us do, that sometimes pain and sorrow makes it feel like God is so far away. God, where are you in this time of difficulty? Pain is temporary and God wants to change it to joy. Sorrow may last for the night, but listen to me, church. Joy comes in the morning. I want to encourage you. I'm not 
discouraging you in your pain, I am saying to you, if you're walking through a season of pain, the Bible clearly says it's through pain that joy can emerge. So don't be so quick to dismiss your pain. It may not look like progress right now, (laughs) but God has the final word. God has the final word, and he's doing something about our suffering, and he's doing something about our pain, and the Bible says he's poured all of his suffering, he's poured all of this punishment on Jesus, and if I believe in Jesus and in his righteousness, then he's going to pour all of Jesus' righteousness on me. But sometimes, right, I want to play God. God, I'm just telling you, if I was in charge, this wouldn't have happened this way. God, I'm just telling you, if I, I was in charge two weeks ago, it, wouldn't, it, w- it would have never happened. God, if I was in charge, this would not happen. But to experience joy, we need to think a little bit differently. God is God, and I am not. God is God, and I am not. And the Bible says God's character is trustworthy. God's going to bring justice. He's going to restore every wrong. He's going to establish peace. And so the best option when we're walking through pain and suffering is when life gives us pain, we need to humbly learn to submit to the authority of Christ, to be willing to say, God, I'm surrendering myself to your care. I'm going to rest in your care. I'm going to rest in your character. And so nobody in this room, including myself, can explain why you're experiencing the pain that you're experiencing right now. And even as I say that, I think of even some of you. I think of some people who are not in this auditorium that were here six months ago that are experiencing pain. I think of conversations I've just had in the last two weeks when people are asking questions, God, why? And I think those are legitimate questions. But I know how this works. I can't answer why, but I know how this works. When you are in pain, pain can wrestle you down. It can subdue you. It can cause you to surrender and cause you to become bitter. Or pain can be the tutor that leads you to something greater. That's the reality this morning. Pain and suffering this morning, church, they're not your enemy if you've trusted in Jesus. Pain and suffering are not your enemy if you've trusted in Jesus this morning. If pain drives you to trust God more, to believe more, to pray more, to humble yourself more, then I want you to understand pain is not your enemy. It has done you a favor this morning. If your pain causes you to depend on Christ more, if it causes you to depend on yourself less, if it causes you to trust in Christ more and yourself less, if it causes you to pray to God more, then pain has done you a favor even though it may not feel like it. You understand this. We think, I've got to do everything in life to mitigate my pain. Where does that come from? Well, I don't know. Maybe in our Western culture, it maybe even started with the Declaration of Independence, which said, we all have an inalienable rights. We all have natural rights. You know what those rights are. Life, what is it? Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration is spot on, but it misses half of the equation. We are also entitled to inalienable and natural rights of pain, suffering, and difficulty that's inherent in the cube human condition. And listen to me, when we work so hard to liberate ourselves from pain, the more opportunities we're going to lose to experience joy. That's the Bible's record. The more we work to 
liberate ourselves from pain, the more opportunities we're going to lose to experience joy. Listen to what the scripture says this morning. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Psalm 55, 22. Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Some of you are experiencing pain and difficulty because of sin in your life or somebody else's life today. And I just want to point you to the promise of God. The originator of sin is Satan. And God is working to crush the originator of sin. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Romans 16, 20. Jeremiah. 31 13. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of what? Sorrow. Pain is this, this conduit. In fact, one of God's primary conduits to joy. God's working right now, even as we speak, to restore your joy from the pain that you're currently experiencing. But here's the reality. The reality is we're going to battle with that pain and that suffering and that difficulty for years and for some of us, decades to come. That is the reality. The battle is going to rage for decades in our life. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus... When we fix our eyes on Jesus, we are fixing our eyes on the source of joy. Sometimes life causes us to doubt that God even can. God, I'm not even sure you can in this moment. Reminds me of the story in Mark chapter 9. A a man brings his his demon-possessed son to Jesus, and this demon-possessed son is experiencing convulsions. In fact, the demon throws him on the ground. He's been experiencing this for years and years and years, and when the demon throws his son on the ground, the Bible says the son begins to foam at the mouth, and the man looks at Jesus, and his literal words are, if you can do anything, take pity on us, God, and help us. And Jesus responds in verse 23, if you can, Jesus said, Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, listen to what he says, I do believe. Listen, this is how some of us respond. Sometimes our pain causes us to doubt whether or not God can get us through it. This is exactly what this father is saying. I do believe, God, you can get me through it. And then there's this doubt, but help me overcome my unbelief. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. In other words, I want to believe God, but you got to understand my heart is jaded from the past my heart is jaded from my present experience I want to believe Jesus but it's hard to believe Jesus can you help me do you believe God can help you in your pain this morning do you believe God can help you in your pain this morning you need to understand if you if you don't already the story of the Bible from the beginning to the end The story of the Bible from the front to the back is this. Christ is restoring everything. 
He's in the process of restoring everything, including your joy. Here it is. Someone once said, we are living between the first three chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible. The first three chapters, God created and everything was perfect, including our joy, our joy in the presence of each other, our joy in the presence of God. But then sin entered the world and affected everything we know. And that is the part of the Bible we're living in. First three chapters, everything is perfect, including our joy. The rest of the Bible, except for the last two chapters, sin has affected everything. There are competitors for our joy in life. But the last two chapters of the Bible tells us God is working to restore everything. Listen, Advent, Advent is this season of waiting. In fact, that's literally what Advent means. We're waiting. We're waiting for God. That was the Christmas series last year, waiting for God. And while we're living in between the first three and the last two, while we're waiting for God to restore unhindered joy, can I just offer two things and then we'll be done to help us experience joy today? The first is this. God must become more abundant to us than all other competing emotions. God must become more abundant to us than all other competing emotions. I don't believe we, I don't believe this can be a full reality until heaven, a full reality until heaven. But I really believe we can experience glimpses of this continual joy when God is more than everything else in our life. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. We're not going to experience the fullness until heaven, but I really believe we can experience glimpses of this continual joy when God is more than everything else. Listen to me, church. There are competitors for your joy. Stop giving in to your competitors for joy. God cannot be more than everything else if God is second and third and fourth in everything in life, in family, in church, in raising your kids and your finances. God cannot be more than everything else if he is second, third, fourth, twelfth down the line. He just can't. Some of you are trying to awkwardly fit God into the scenario of wanting joy, but God is so far down the line, you've got to shout to catch up to him. God has to become more than everything else, more than every competing emotion. I'm not speaking down to you. I'm really trying to encourage you this morning to see the source of joy. When we look into the eyes of Jesus so intimately, so closely, so clearly, when he's right there, we are looking into the source of joy. You're never going to experience fullness of joy like the Bible explains. And so we shed all, all of these competing emotions behind Jesus. Hear me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you this Christmas season. God is not first. He's last in many of our lives. And this joy is not possible until you're looking into the face of Jesus intimately, closely, personally. Some of you don't understand what I'm talking about, but I pray in due time you will. Secondly, Pastor Matt, how do we experience joy in this life? God has to become the end to our search for satisfaction. 
And this is really the key to number one. And until we arrive at this settled conclusion, we're never going to be satisfied with anything but a personal, intimate walk with God. Until we arrive at this settled conclusion, listen to me, joy is going to be elusive. Until we arrive at the place where God is my satisfaction and nothing else, joy is going to be elusive. Why? Because your soul was made for God. You were not made for this world. That's what the Bible tells us. All of us experience this, and sometimes we can't even put it to words, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent, listen to what Paul says, we groan, we long to put on our heavenly dwelling. Listen to me. Our souls realize something that our heart doesn't yet believe, many of us. Our souls deep down realize something that our heart doesn't yet believe. What is it, Matt? It's that God is our home. God is our satisfaction. We're never going to be more satisfied. We're never going to find a more satisfying fountain of life than God. Jesus himself said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will not thirst. And so when we introduce competing affections for our satisfaction, listen, joy is going to be elusive. When we introduce competing affections in our life, joy is going to be elusive. Joy is going to be elusive while we're searching for satisfaction in a career, a bank account, proving ourselves, acceptance, fame, parenting, competition, pleasure, status. God wants to give you a good and perfect gift this Christmas season. Before Jesus was born, the Bible tells us there was an expectation of joy. When Jesus came, there was this experience of joy in his presence, the Bible says. And then according to Luke chapter 24, when Jesus left earth, there was an experience of joy in his coming again. Listen to Luke 24. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. It's the end of Jesus' ministry. He's died, he's buried, he's been crucified, he's risen to the right hand of the Father. Scripture says they worship Jesus, they return to Jerusalem with great joy. Isn't that strange? Their hopes and their dreams have been crushed. How? Jesus was crucified. Their hopes and their dreams have been crushed. How? Jesus had been crucified. Jesus is leaving. And he's leaving them to carry their cross. Pastor Matt, where is the joy in that? You know where the joy is? The joy is in the worship of Jesus himself. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Has Jesus become first in your life? Has he become more abundant than all other competing affections? Has he become the end of your pursuit of satisfaction? Just bow your heads, close your eyes in a, just a reverent moment as we prayerfully close out our time together. Just bow your heads. Everybody around the room, doesn't matter where you are.
doesn't matter who's to the right, to the left, to the front, to the back. doesn't matter who's around you. As we close out this morning, can I just say to some of us, for some of us this morning, you've never trusted your life to Jesus. Your sins are still competing for your soul's affections. And until you ask Jesus to forgive your sins and save you, that's what the Bible says, you'll always have something competing for your joy. I want to ask you this morning, will you trust him? Will you place your trust in Jesus this morning? Those of you who are believers and Christians this morning, I'm not talking about rededicating your life or saying another prayer. I'm talking to those in the auditorium this morning who have never been saved, never given their life to Jesus. Until Christ forgives you and saves you from your sin, there will always be competing affections for your soul. But I want to say to you this morning, God is what your soul was made for. Would you receive that today? Nothing magical or mystical about it. We don't make you say anything you don't want to say, pray anything you don't want to pray. It's just this moment where you have with the Lord, you come before him and you confess your sins before him and you ask him to forgive you of your sins and to save you today. Happens a lot of weeks in this auditorium and I pray it'll happen again today. How do I trust my life to Jesus? You just simply talk to the Father this morning. We'd love to help you make that decision and choice and trust in God today after the service down to my right to your left Marco white shirt down front you can't miss him just come up to him and say I'd love to know how to trust my life to Jesus he'd love to help you walk through what it means to have your sins forgiven to have your soul satisfied in God he'd love to help you come down front for the rest of us who know Jesus this morning can I just say to you can I just implore you can I beg you this morning with passion and compassion Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy is on the way. Joy is on the way. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the source of joy. God, we love you this morning. As we sing, as we sing this song about joy, God, May this resonate in our hearts. May the spirit of the living God call us back as a beacon, as a lighthouse. Call us back to you, God. Fix our eyes on you. God, for those who are experiencing tremendous pain and suffering today, I pray the spirit of the living God will begin to massage those hearts, those situations, those circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.